mercy and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our, our text for today is from the Gospel lesson, Luke 18. Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Dear friends in Christ, I, I want to use a metaphor this morning and uh, kind of like, you know, if I don't see it today, tomorrow, or ever again, I'll see you at the cross. That's a metaphor. There is no cross at the end of time, but you know, we get the metaphor, right? And, and again, uh, I want to use a metaphor of standing in a line, uh, being in a line. Um, now, I know our text never talks about standing in any lines, but it's, it's inferred, isn't it? It's kind of there of, of the person who uh, deserves to be at the front of the line and the person who deserves to be at the back of the line. And if you hang around our preschool very long, you'll see lines. And uh, sometimes those lines are straight and sometimes they're crooked. I guess lining those kids up is quite a task. It's, it's a constant learning, isn't it? Teaching kids how to not only walk in a line, but stay in that line. And yet lining up, well... It's a useful skill. And if you're especially good at lining up, if you have an aptitude for it, and if you're good at getting other people to line up, well, guess what? You might just have what it takes to be First English's, a member of First English's elite group. We call them the ushers. And lining up, however, isn't as easy as you might think. You know, they're, they're, not only do we have to keep ourselves in line, that's important. But we also have to watch out for those scoundrels who are all constantly trying to cut into our line. You know, the line cutters. And, but the line cutters aren't the only problem in dealing with line, orderly line expertise. There's always a concern of what line you're in. You know, are you in the quickest line? Or are you in the right line? I mean, it's an embarrassment if you're in the wrong line, especially if other people find out that you made that mistake. Well, many years ago, our church used to hand out money, and every new year in January, we had about $1,200, not a whole lot of money, but we handed out money to people in our community who were in need, and, and the community knew about it. And so that first day of, the, uh, of, of that new month in January, there'd be a line outside our church. You know what they wanted? They wanted a handout. And so they... now. They didn't want food, they didn't want gas, they didn't want shelter, they didn't want Jesus. They wanted cash. And like, like we were a bank. And after just a very few people, the money was gone and had been depleted and I had to tell people, you've come to the wrong place for cash. This isn't a place that hands out cash, you're in the wrong line lining up you know people line up every Sunday to file into church and some people don't even know why they're lining up to come in it's just this is what the family's always done and and lining up to church must be a good thing it's 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 a healthy thing it's a it's it's a thing respectable people do so we keep doing it other people line up to church because they want to push an agenda they want to be heard other people line up because they want to volunteer okay well, that line is, well, particularly short. But we do have a volunteer line. And 
Again, speaking metaphorically, in our gospel lesson, we find two people with lines. Two people, two lines. And so our theme, a tale of two lines. Our parable this morning has a Pharisee. Now, this guy thought much about himself. Apparently, there's a lot of people out there that do. They think a whole lot about themselves, a lot of confidence. He walks into the temple like he belongs there. He walks in there like he owns a place. To the very front of the line he goes. Why? Because he belongs there. He belongs to the front of life. He deserved to be there. He had the credentials. Yeah, he did. For being there, he was better than all the others. He didn't, he didn't, ha- he didn't, didn't need anybody's help. And he had a resume. He had a long spiritual list of accomplishments, things that he had done. He could prove it. And this is a guy who loved himself. He trusted in himself, brimming with self-confidence. And, he, and in his pride, he even prayed so, you know, so, so nicely, so politely, I thank you, God, that I'm not like all the other sinners. Amen. Well, now why did Jesus tell this parable? Apparently, there are a lot of people like that in the world. People who think highly of themselves. They think they're, that they're holy, they're right, and they have to be right all the time. All the while, they treat others poorly, the people who aren't right all the time, and they treat them with contempt. The Pharisee was like that, thought highly of himself and treated everybody else badly. Uh, again, he was comfortable at front of the line because he looked down at everybody else. Again, he was filled with stubborn, sinful, arrogant pride. Got the best of him. He considered himself to be the best. In fact, he didn't even like other people. He ridiculed them, made fun of them, mocked them, laughed at them, derided them, tore them down to build himself up. He would tear other people down to build himself up. I hope you don't know anybody like that that likes to tear the people around them down so that they can feel like they're bigger, tougher, better. Apparently, there are many people like that. Looking down on other people, it it makes us feel better. Feel better about ourselves. Because no matter how bad we are, how, how much we've messed up our lives, we can look around and always find somebody who's worse who's messed up their lives worse. Their lives are in worse shape and somebody we can tear down. And that's why people love to gossip. Gossip falls in line with the sins here. Deriding somebody else for their faults. We feel better about ourselves when we do that. We delight in sinking our teeth into ruining people's reputations because it raises us up, it lifts us up, it makes us feel better about me. And it reinforces our belief that we are better. We are better than the other people around us, that we deserve to be at the head of the line. But in many ways, the Pharisee was better. He was. He was a better person than the other people that were there. 
He fasted twice a week while all the others didn't fast at all. Twice a week. You know why he did the extra fasting, by the way? Why the Pharisees would fast extra? It's because he knew that the common people didn't fast at all, so they were fasting for the sinners to atone for the sins of those who didn't fast. That seems to be pretty decent, doesn't it? Here you have a guy that goes hungry twice a week to help the people that refuse to go hungry. To atone for their sins, to be Jesus for those people. It sounds, sounds commendable. Seems like the right thing to do. But, and and more, more than that, this Pharisee tithed. He gave 10% of everything that he had to the church. And not only did he do that, these Pharisees would also tithe on everything that they purchased. It was a self-imposed tax. And you know why they taxed themselves 10% extra on everything they purchased? Because everybody else wouldn't tithe. The common person in the church wouldn't tithe. In the synagogue, wouldn't tithe. In the temple, they didn't tithe. And so they tithe extra to cover for the common people's sin. That seems like a decent thing to do, doesn't it? That this is a decent guy. And maybe we ought not despise the Pharisees. Maybe, I mean, they live clean, decent, godly lives, useful lives. They did their best to fulfill the law of God. So before we despise them, maybe we should compare ourselves to them and say, you know, how does our life look? Do, do we tithe the way they tithe? Do we give to the kingdom of God the way they gave? Or are we willing to go without food so that others can have more? Deny ourselves so that others can grow, so that our neighbors will benefit? Of course, I know what you good Lutherans are thinking. The Pharisees trusted in their good works, and good works don't save us. Well, good Lutherans, right? Works don't count. Works don't matter. We know what counts. Faith counts. We're saved by grace. That's what counts. But lazy Lutherans? Lazy Lutherans look around and they see others busily engaged in good works of the church. And then they thank God that for the message that faith alone saves us by grace alone. And these Lutherans look around and they say, thank God I'm not like those people. Something about Lutherans. Thank God I'm not like those other Christians. Those Roman Catholics who pray to Mary, those anything, can, anything goes Anglicans or those Methodists who are always concerned about social things, social justice. Yeah, we as Lutherans, we're very good at pointing our finger and pointing out everybody's errors. However, before we condemn the Pharisee in our parable, what we really need to do is confess our, and see our own confess our own sin. We need to see the Pharisee that's worshiping in this sanctuary. That's the hardest Pharisee of all to recognize. Why? Because, well, it might be you.
Are you a Pharisee? Do you look down on others? Do you judge them or tear them down to build yourself up? Do you talk about them behind their back, gossiping, deeming yourself better, more important? Every Pharisee falls into this danger. We get so used to looking and comparing everybody around us, we forget to look at ourselves, to confess our brokenness, to confess our sin and repent of our sins. We spend so much time looking at others, we forget to look to God. But there's another man in our gospel lesson. He got in line too. He lined up in church to pray, but he was a tax collector. Now, unlike the Pharisee, this guy had made bad choices, sinful choices in life. He was a greedy guy, corrupt. You couldn't trust him. But unlike the Pharisee, the tax collector didn't brag about himself. He didn't think he was better than others, look around comparing himself with everybody else. He had no religious resume, didn't have a long list of spiritual credentials. He simply just beat his breast and proclaimed the God-awful truth. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Listen, comparing ourselves to other people gets us nowhere. Doing that only feeds the Pharisee that's inside. Instead, humbly stand in the line that stands in the presence of God and acknowledge your sins, confess your sins and your wrongs. Let God's law shrink you down to size, put you where you deserve to be, on your knees before God, asking the Lord for His mercy and pleading God for His grace. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, we can't stand before God and hope to fool Him. God knows. God knows what's inside. He knows we're not all that. There's no fooling God. He knows. You know, we, don't, we can't stand before God bragging about how much money I've given to the church or how, how all the wonderful things that I've done. God knows. We don't stand before God bragging about anything. And the, the tax collector knew what the Pharisee did not. He was a sinner. The sinner knew he needed God. And only by mercy of God could he stand. And so he pleads, God be merciful to me, a sinner. This guy faithfully placed himself in the arms of the Almighty, in the hands of a God. He put himself in the arms of Jesus. Hmm. Pretty good place to be. And guess what? The tax collector found himself in the right line. The line that said, for sinners only. But who wants to be in a sinner's only line? With all his might, Martin Luther tried hard to avoid that sinner's only line. He hated the thought. Why do I have to put myself in the sinner's only line? So back in his monastery days, Martin Luther would pray for hours. He would confess his sins 
endlessly confess every sin that he could think of so that he but the harder he tried to rid himself of his sin the the more he knew the more he hated himself first and the more he knew God hated him and then the more he hated God that's not a good line to stand in but there's another line it's the line in which I stand it's the line in which you stand and we stand by God's grace God be merciful to me a sinner we stand by Christ's blood his blood and his righteousness and we don't brag about our spiritual resume or the things that we've done for the church or that we're better than anybody else we stand drenched in the resume of Jesus drenched in his blood Martin Luther learned that the for sinners only line is actually the best line to be. Jesus himself once was in that line. He stood in line to put himself with sinners. He remembered and he numbered, Jesus numbered himself with the transgressors, the Bible says. He took our sins upon himself. He bore them to take our punishment. So Jesus stands with us. He stands with tax collectors. He stands with people like you. He stands with sinners, no matter your past, no matter the wrongs. Shoulder to shoulder, in complete solidarity, He stands with you. He stands for you. And the Living Bible explains it this way. God took the sinless Christ and poured into Him our sins. And then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. And so ends our tale of the two lines. Which line are you in? Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.